week of a series called Defrost, Keeping the Chill Off Your Soul. And uh, frost happens, by the way, I'm not wearing a liturgical collar. Uh, Rita came up and asked me, you know, it, it, can I pull my t-shirt down? And, and I can't because I don't want to confuse you. I don't have one on. Uh, but if you see a little flash of white there, it's just because I hate ties. And uh, and so that, that'll be the explanation of that. Anyway, frost happens when a certain amount of moisture is in the air that hovers around the dew point that is sustained over a period of time where the barometric pressure holds at a steady clip. And when that happens, water vapor condenses into liquid form. When that happens, you have a bad hair day, and if this water vapor falls on something that's warmer than the air temperature around it, you get dew. If it falls on something that's cooler than the air temperature around it, you get frost. And so it's just kind of this repetitive cycle through the weather cycle that we get this either frost or we get, we get dew. And when the Spirit of God is moving, and it always is, the Spirit of God is always moving. There is never a day, there is never a time where the Spirit of God does not move. However, what is the temperature of your soul? Lately, has there been a a chill in your soul? Has the warm moving of the Spirit of God rested on the chilly surface of your soul to get this frost-like crust, these minute ice crystals, this layer of, of fine ice across your soul so that you struggle spiritually. Now, I'm not talking about you in a deep freeze. I'm not talking about you got layers and layers of ice. I'm just talking about this, this thing of frost to where you got to get out the old scraper and scrape everything off. Turn to the book of Colossians chapter 4. I want to remind you that the church of Colossae is, uh, is a town that has never been excavated, but this letter to the Colossians who lived in Colossae was written by Paul. It was an occasional letter. He wrote it to Epaphras who had come to Ephesus to hear Paul preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Having heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he responded in his heart, gave his life to Jesus, went back to his hometown of Colossae and began a local Bible-believing church. Isn't that awesome? He's not a preacher. He's not an apostle. He's not a anything. He's just a guy who has a burden for the people in his community, and he begins in his home, most likely, to share the word of Jesus Christ. And God blessed that church. There was a moving of God in that church, and it grew to such a, a point that it was recognized in that early church, local church community. And then some false teaching kind of crept in, and he writes this letter to respond to the false teaching. Matter of fact, the main theme of Paul's letter is that Christ is Lord over all creation, including the invisible realm. He has secured secured salvation for the people, enabling them to participate in his death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, Paul wanted the Colossae church and the Kirby church to participate in Christ in the fullness of all that he is. Now I'm telling you something that just, I I love coaching and 
I, it's kind of like a little hobby for me, and I got this little under-eight soccer team, and I went and watched Austin and Ethan play basketball uh, yesterday, and my, my little coaching thing just kind of started bubbling up in me a little bit. And I love, I, I really do, I like coaching. But I'm telling you, you know what would tick me off? It, it wouldn't bother me if my kids would miss a basket. Wouldn't bother me if they made a, a bad pass. What would bother me if they played with half an effort? If they didn't play with all the fullness and everything that they had in them. And Paul was writing to this Colossae church, say, hey, listen, I want you to embrace Christ in all of his movement. I want you to embrace Christ in all of his fullness. Last week, I told you that that word full is really kind of a nautical term. It's a shipbuilder's term. It talks about how much weight and tonnage can be placed in a boat, displaced, so that the boat doesn't sink in the water. It's this really cool thing, and it means to be loaded down, weighted down with cargo and merchandise and cooks and soldiers and rowers and mask and line and rope, everything that it takes to make the ship go for a long voyage. It would be full, ready for the voyage. And Paul's saying, I want you and I, as believers, to be full of Christ, ready for the voyage, ready for wherever the Spirit of God may take us. You know, this year is going to be an incredible year for us. It really is. It's going to be one of challenge, change, and transition. And we have to be full of the Spirit of God to follow. we got to be ready for that voyage. we got to be loaded down with those wonderful things of God. we got to scrape the frost kind of off the soul so that we can embrace all that God's doing. But Paul knew that sometimes we'd struggle in this thing of walking with him, didn't he? Sometimes he knew we'd struggle in this thing of living for him. So he told us in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, we talked about last week, devote yourself to prayer. Basically take relentless care with prayer. Today, he says, being watchful. It's still in the context of prayer, but he says being watchful. Hey, that word watchful is a really cool word. It's Gregorio. Gregorio, it means to keep awake. It means to wake up. It means to watch. It means to remain alive. It, it means to be fully alert and fully alive. Fully alert and fully alive. There are things that can take me from a dead sleep, from a state of almost unconsciousness, and that's how I sleep, to being wide awake and fully alert. If my phone rings at 3.30 in the morning, buddy, I guarantee you I go from zero to wide awake like that. If somebody's breaking in our house, I make Terry get up and handle that. But if it's a phone call, because usually there's trouble on the other end. See, Paul would say that you and I need to be fully awake and fully alert. That as we pray, we need to understand this whole fullness of God. We need to understand that God is always moving. We need to understand that God wants to do some incredible things in our lives. And we need to be fully awake, fully alert. If you were to read a modern kind of self-help book about being fully awake or fully alert, they would use the phrase being in the moment, living in the moment, being present. Having a present present. It's just simply being aware of what's going on around you. 
A lot of guys have problems with their wives because they're not aware of what's going on around them. A lot of parents have trouble with going on with their kids because they're not fully alert, fully aware, fully awake to what's going on around them. Their mind is here, even though their body's there. Their thoughts are somewhere else, even though they're, they may be physically in the same room. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, when you pray, when you live the Christian life, be fully alert, be fully alive. Be fully awake to what God is doing and embrace it. We need to be Argus-like. My dad had an Argus camera. Look at this old camera, man. Did anybody ever have an old camera like that? An old Argus camera. Well, when my dad told me that he had this old Argus camera, it kind of got me thinking. I remember the name Argus, but I didn't remember where it was from. Argus is this really weird guy in Greek mythology. He has a hundred eyes, and only two eyes would ever be asleep at any one time. So Argus was this guy in Greek mythology who was fully alive, fully awake, and only two eyes were ever asleep. So you really want to be Argus-like. If you've ever heard of the word on Argus Committee, they're the ones who would give an extraordinarily watchful eye as ballots are cast or counted, or money's counted. So the question is, what are you and I to be fully alive and fully alert to? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think we need to be fully alert to who Jesus is. Man, we just sang about that. You need to be fully alert to who Jesus is. The problem is, is we're not fully alert to who Jesus is. We're fully alert to our hurts, our needs. We're fully attuned to what we need right now, whether you didn't have breakfast and you're going, ooh, can't wait to get to those donuts. Or whether you're going, man, I can't wait if this is your only service today and you're going out to brunch. Your stomach's growled a little bit. Or maybe you're going, all right, he's been up there about 12 minutes and now you're starting to do that little sermon fade, you know? Because it's hard to be fully awake and fully alert. But would you go to Colossians chapter 1? And I hope that you have your Bibles and, and, and will follow along with me in the Scriptures. you got one of the most beautiful, eloquent statements of who Jesus is in the Scriptures. Look at chapter 1 and verse 15. He, that's Jesus. Anytime you see he, he is Jesus. Jesus Christ, Son of God. He, he is the image of Of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, referring to his resurrection, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile himself, God, to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And amen to that. But sometimes we get so caught up in living. Sometimes we just get so caught up 
Man, we just get cranky and it just having a... Did anybody have a bad week this week? Raise your hand with mine. Usually if I want to be left alone, I'd shut my door. It was so bad this week, Wanda came in and shut my door, you know? Just. And we can get so unaware of who Jesus is and what he's doing because we're too overly aware of what is, you know, we get so self-centered and, and egocentric and we make life and living all about us. The last song we sang, the Revelation song, man says life and living is all about him. Praise and glory, majesty and honor to you, you alone. I sing why? Because in all things, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15 and through 19 says that he might have the supremacy. But now how alert were you to Jesus Christ this week? In the last seven days, how aware, how alert, how awake were you to Jesus Christ? You say, well, I went to church Wednesday night. That's not what I asked you. I said, how awake, how alert with you were you to the moving of God, to what his son, Jesus Christ, wants to do in this world through the kingdom of God and in your heart through the word of God? Hmm. Sounds like some of us need to get that ice scraper out and scrape off a little frost from our soul, doesn't it? Man, it is so easy to get our eyes off Jesus, isn't it? Isn't it? Man, it is, it is for me. I'll tell you, it's a, man, you got to work on this thing, a focus, being so alert. Matter of fact, if you go to chapter 2 and verse 6, you'll find that, that Paul was writing because some people were trying to take away who Jesus was. And so in verse chapter 2 and verse 6, he says, So then, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Jesus Christ. There was a false teaching that was creeping in the... the Colossae church and it was a Gnostic form of a philosophy which basically a Gnostic would say that the immaterial or the spirit realm is good the physical realm is bad and so they would embrace Jesus Christ as a spirit being but they would not embrace him as the as being God incarnate you know walking on this earth dying on the cross because the body is bad but the spirit is good paul is saying ha 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 don't let anybody diminish the teaching of the word of god concerning jesus christ don't let anyone steal that away from you hold tightly to who jesus is because at the end of the day when your money's gone when your life is all but gone jesus is all you have to hang on to And so Paul reminded the Corinthian church that he's the creator and the father and the savior, that the depth of his grace and the supremacy of Christ goes far beyond comprehension. And if we're not alert to it, if we're not fully aware of it, our view of the supremacy of Christ, the sovereignty of Christ, it'll start to slip. We'll start thinking that we need Jesus and this, Jesus and that. The Bible has a a wonderful doctrine 
And it's just simply called Christ alone. That Christ is all you need for salvation and the building block for a life of faith and a full life of joy. Well, let me quickly give you the second thing that we need to be alerted to, and that's sin creeping into our life. Not only of who Jesus is, but sin creeping into our life. Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. Paul gives a list here. He gives a list of some things we're supposed to take off, and, and he gives us a list of some, some positive things we're supposed to put on. But, but look at verse chapter 3. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. we got to be alert to these things because it's so easy for this to come in our heart. He says, put to death. That means mortify, kill, execute. Mortify, kill. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. By the way, guys, I just want to stop here for a second. You and I know that there are more ways to look at sexually explicit material today than ever before. Used to, you had to go to the convenience store to get a magazine. Then the internet brought it in our home. Now you towed around a phone and you can pull it up if you've got internet access on your phone just about any time you want to. It does not take away God's command to flee fornication. And it creeps into our life it creeps into our thought. And the Bible tells us that you and I, verse 5, mortify, put it to death. And then he says, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Drop down to verse 8. But now you must rid yourself, same word as mortify, execute, annihilate, obliterate. He says, now you must get rid of, must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger. Anybody been angry this week? Rage. Anybody had excessive anger this week? Malice. Malice comes from the people that you were angry at plotting to get even with you. Slander. Did you say something about somebody this week you had no business saying about? Slander. Man, these are just simple sins that creep into our, our heart. Filthy language from your lips. Look at verse 9. Did you tell the truth? He says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self and the practices. And then he goes on to say, put on the new self. Guy had a country store and there was an old, there was a sign on the front door, big letters, danger, beware the dog. So this out-of-towner pulled in to get him a little pop and a little something to drink and he saw this sign, Danger, beware the dogs. And he wasn't really a dog guy, so this sign, danger, beware the dog, really kind of caught his attention. And so he eased in and looked around. He saw his big old hound dog laying on the floor. Big old wrinkly face, big old paws, didn't have enough energy to, you know, swat a fly with its tail. Just laid there. So he now realized this dog couldn't hurt anybody. He went up and asked the store owner. He said, you know, I'm kind of amused that you had this big sign, danger, beware the dog. 
And the dog isn't ferocious at all. He said, the storekeeper said, no. He said, before I posted it, people kept tripping all over my dog. Hey, listen, there's just some sins that if we're not careful, we're not alert to. If we're not awake, we're just going to keep tripping over. They don't necessarily attack us. We just keep tripping over them. They're there, and we know they're there. We don't avoid them. We don't rid ourselves from them. They kind of just frost over our soul. One final thing I just want to throw out there real quick. There's a hint of it. There's, it's not a, a, an eschatological book, but there is kind of a hint of it. One final item that we need to be alert to, and that's that Jesus is coming. Is that Jesus is coming. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 1. I'm sorry, verse 22, chapter 1, and said, Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, To present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's a heaven moment. That's an earthly moment with a a heaven completion. Look at chapter 3 and verse 6. Verse 6 says that because of these, sexual immorality, impurity, evil, lust, desires, those things we trip over like the dog in the country store, which is idolatry. He said, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And so there is this little hint that we need to be looking for Jesus coming. We get so caught up in the here and now that most of us, man, we, we look ahead to retirement or we look ahead to the end of the month Oh, we look to the head at the end of the week. Some of us, maybe it's just the end of the day. Joseph Stoll, who was president of Moody Bible Institute, visited a home for the mentally handicapped. And while walking through his, the corridors, he noticed over and over again that the windows were covered, that the, little, that the windows were covered with little handprints. All the windows, every corridor, all the windows. One's looking inside, those especially looking outside were covered with little windows or with little fingerprints. Finally, he asked what it was all about, and the director simply replied, the children here love Jesus so much, they're so eager for him to return that they lean against the window and look up to the sky every day. So as the window of your soul got fingerprints on it where you look for Jesus coming, or does it have frost on it? Are are there sins in your heart and in your life that, that keep you from embracing the fullness of Christ and being all that you can be for Christ? Paul says keep fully awake, keep fully alert. There's so much around us that lulls us to inattentiveness, that lulls us to sleep. The Bible says keep fully awake, be alert. So here's the simple question. Are you spiritually alert to the majesty and the working of Christ in your life? Or is there frost on the window of your soul where fingerprints should be because you're looking for his coming? Are there sins that just keep tripping you up, that you just keep laying there, you don't rid them out, you don't get the dog out of the store, you just keep tripping over it and tripping over it and tripping over it? The Bible says, devote yourself to prayer, being 
watchful. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a moment? What are the sins that, you've, that have frosted up your spiritual windows? What's going on in your world that keeps your fingerprints off the window of your soul? That keeps you from looking up? What is it that's chilling your soul? Is it distance in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it, a, uh, is it sin in your heart? Is it forgetting the wonderful message that Jesus is coming? Jesus is coming. So I wonder if there's somebody here this morning, you say, Pastor, when you put it like that, when you talk about a high view of Jesus Christ and looking for his coming and set in your heart, maybe I'm not as fully awake and fully alive spiritually as I should be. And would you pray for me that I will devote myself to prayer, being watchful, being fully alert to what God's doing in my life, God's doing in my heart through his son, Jesus Christ. And then I'll embrace it. I'll embrace it all. I wonder if there's somebody you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, the message today has spoke to my heart. Man, would you pray for me? That I'll be more alive and more alert. Man, thank you and thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Man, if there's sin in your heart, why don't right now where you sit, why don't you confess it? If it's been a while since you've looked for Jesus coming, or if it's been a while since you have just embraced the move of God, would you do that right now as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, you are such an uh, wonderful, honest Savior that you don't sugarcoat it. You...